I want to get the language so right that everybody here will cry out, Yes, I'm black, I'm proud of it, I'm black and beautiful. And welcome to the Can We Talk podcast. I'm Elsie, your host, as always. And I just want to say thank you for tuning into this episode today. So this one is a particularly unique one because it's the first episode of the three-part Black Is mini-series. And to kick off this episode today, I have a special guest with me. She actually has her own podcast as well. Um, I'd actually like you guys to go listen to it. So I'll be tagging it in the episode description. But before I go on rambling... Um, I'll just get her to introduce herself. So tell us more about yourself. Hi, everyone. I am Amanda, the creator of the If I Tell You podcast. I go to school with Elsie and I'm just happy to be here. I'm happy that you considered me. Thank you for inviting yeah, me. For sure. I'm happy that you're here too as well. Um, so today's episode, um, getting right into the episode, is called I'm Not Racist, But. And as mm-hmm. we know, wherever there's a but, there's always an issue. And that's what we're here to talk about today. Um, we're here to talk about the stereotypes and microaggressions we as Black people, and most especially we as Black women, face. So um, starting, I don't, I don't know, I, I, coming from a Black country, coming from Africa, you know, everyone was Black. Mm-hmm. So I, I really didn't have would I say a black identity I I never experienced any labeling and stereotyping and any microaggressions because everyone looked like me and it wasn't until I came here to Canada that I was like my race I actually you know what this race thing is a big deal it actually started to matter um what was your own personal experience I mean I completely agree I mean I felt the same thing I'm coming from my own predominantly black country Jamaica so I didn't know I was like black yes. <laughs> and you know you're black yeah you exactly know, but yeah, yeah you don't see it as something that makes you different per se I mean there's there's levels to the black exactly there's exactly there's exactly the black and I mean there's the different backgrounds like where you're coming from what neighborhood you're from whatever there's all that but there's no oh you're black you're black do this you're black you should behave this way I mean it was so exactly the difference was so overwhelming for me Mm -hmm. and I actually like to kick off the episode um, episode with a story I actually wanted to tell my own personal experience um so a couple years ago I applied for a job I was job scouting and um I found this particular job that I met the qualifications of. I had all the necessary experience and whatever they wanted. As you should. Yeah, exactly. So I applied for this job with confidence, you know, and I got an interview. So I was like, okay, this is one step forward. So I go there and then I go to the desk and I'm like, hi, I'm here for an interview. And the lady looks at me and she's like, um sorry like she you know she she uses her eyes to gauge me from head to toe Mm -hmm. and I'm like yeah I'm here for an interview and she's like what's your name and I'm like Elsie and I could I could see like the hint of surprise on her face like okay this is not who we expected to see but you know I ignored it like I'm here for an interview I'm hoping that you know by the time you hear what I have to say it'll give me a level playing ground because Mm -hmm. you saw my you saw my resume you liked it you're so, uh, exactly yeah exactly so I they called me for the interview I'm like okay so I sit down with the um the lady and you know they ask all the interview questions and like yeah 
So um, at the end of the interview, where they, the portion where they're like, oh, do you want to ask me the interviewer any questions? So I noticed before I started my interview that where I was going to work, there was like no person of color, no black person there. But to me, I didn't really think of it as a big deal because like, I, this is not the first time I've been the only black person <laughs> in the place that I've worked. So I don't mind. Let me even be the first black person so that other black people can come there to work, you know. So I was the trail. Exactly, the exactly. Yeah. So I asked her, I'm like, okay, so what type of um, ideal individual are you looking for for this position? And she's like, okay, she mentions all the qualifications. And then she looks at me. And this is the part that really got to me. She was like, you know, you know, well-kept individual, nice, well-groomed hair. And she looks at mm. me. And at that moment, mm. it really dawns on me. You know, I have my hair in a bun, yeah. like, packed all the way up. And I packed, you know how we plot, we know you do the whole edges yeah. and everything, yeah. kind of make yeah. it look yeah. nice. Yeah, good. It was not you. Exactly. You not and, and then I just looked, I was like, oh, wow, I know I'm not getting this job. And it really dawned on me, like, wow, I didn't think something like hair was gonna make that big of a deal until I started figuring out you know I used to I used to be the person that used to be like why is hair so important until you know I learned it the hard way mm-hmm. man I I'm really sorry that you had that experience no, sure. <laughs> together and you always came in edges laid just <laughs> wow like your braids always look good so <laughs> Man, I I understand that experience because I mean I went into are we allowed to say the business name? I don't I don't care. I will fight them. Like pull up, <laughs> pull up on me. Pull up to the if I tell you podcast if you want to. <laughs> but okay, just so we don't cause any problems, I won't mm-hmm. say the name. But it was a popular skincare beauty business, not the bigger one, but the. Beauty supply mm-hmm. store shop, mm-hmm. shop mm-hmm. in the mall, and I went in there and I asked just one question. I wasn't even applying. I was just like, okay, so do you guys have a dress code? Because a friend of mine was looking for a job, and mm. homegirl looked at me and said, "Yeah, we really don't really have a strict dress code, but look straight at my hair." I mean, I was not applying. It wasn't me. and I had my edges done and she looked at my hair and said we really prefer like a more well-kept look really groomed you know clean put together just stared at my hair the whole time she said that oh my goodness whoa hold on is this an attack honestly I don't know you know what really kind of hurts me is that who like who convinced us that our hair is dirty or not clean or unkempt just because it looks very different? Mm-hmm. You know, um, I feel like as black people, this um, something just as small as hair has made it to such a big deal. You know, when I used to do my hair in a bun, initially, I never used to sit like when I come to class, I'll go all the way to the back. Because I didn't want any trouble. You know, I didn't want anyone to be like, oh, your bun is blocking me from seeing the board or anything. So I'll make sure that I'm all the way at the back. Because I just didn't want that issue. Because I figured out that, you know, something I didn't think was a big deal has become such a big deal. And that's just one example of, you know, the stereotypes that we as Black women 
mm-hmm. you face. I'm coming. Um, I'm wondering. Yeah, class. not me, girl. I am gonna sit at the front. <laughs> for out, I am the view. You're welcome. It's me you come to. Exactly. See. If you have a problem, <laughs> you're gonna have to get out of the way. <laughs> um, yeah, I approach it so differently. I think. I've mm. realized that those microaggressions and that kind of subtle racism, it's really not my responsibility to try and adapt to it. I think the mm. duty that I have is more to not let it rule my life. I see. That's actually a very good way to approach it because I feel like for a whole while, I was just, you know, very scared of displeasing people. Mm-hmm. So I kind of just stayed out of, you know, anything where I thought was going to make a mistake. I would kind of just, um, there was a, there was a job that I had that I had a weave throughout. I didn't keep my hair braided because I, I, I had convinced myself, which was wrong, that like my braided hair Mm-hmm. was somewhat unprofessional and like now that I look back on it I'm like wow like because I just internalized these microaggressions and stereotyping for myself mm-hmm. I stopped myself from even doing a protective style that my hair desperately needs <laughs> um yeah Man, so that's just it's yeah, hard also, it's hard on yeah. you as a person it's hard on how you see yourself it's hard on mm-hmm. your hair trying to keep up with all that and it, you know, your way of dealing with it when you were wearing your weaves and everything was just, it's understandable. I mean, I hope you don't ever think of your, think less of yourself because of doing that. I mean, that's a way mm. of protecting yourself. Sometimes you don't want the smoke. Sometimes you don't want the problems. You just want to yeah. the and go home. Like, give me my minimum wage so I can go to my I house. love you, go home. <laughs> yeah um I also wanted to ask is there like from your own personal experience you know um is is there any personal experience that you want to share concerning any you know stereotyping or experiences happened to you I'll tell you the truth Elsie I went to a all-girls school in Jamaica I went to all-girls school my entire life oh wow yeah so I had already gone through a lot of the hair discrimination from that Ooh. point. You know, it was first, your hair is too dry, your hair is too this, your hair is that when it's natural and it's when you're mm. younger. And because of all of that and because of the social pressure, I decided to relax it when I was in about maybe third form, you say grade nine. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I decided to do that and I had that for two years until I started thinking about why do I even do this you know this burns my head I damaged yeah. my hair to the point that it was nothing because I decided to dye it silver because I'm a oh psychopath my God. I'm, I'm... <laughs> <laughs> yeah I always had fairly healthy hair and I just decided to do whatever I wanted damaged my hair to the point of no return and I cut it off and at that point I had no hair like an inch of hair and I had to manage all of the negative comments and all of the self-love that I had to develop while my hair grew in and as it grew I loved it I loved it so much that I don't allow other people to dictate how my hair should look so my first job in our town there I wore my natural hair to the interview 
so they know what's coming in here. Like exactly, <laughs> no surprises. Well, like, and every time you see me, it's my hair. Like it's me. Like I'm pulling up with the fro, regardless. Like I don't care what other people have to say. And I think we have to get to that point because it's so self-destructive to try and hide those parts of yourself for other people. Mm. When I first came to Canada here, because um, my first language is actually English. So coming here, it was very surprising because, you know, people would look at me and when they try to hold a conversation with me, they're like, oh my God, you speak English so well. Girl, I had that at the dentist. And, and I, I felt so insulted by that statement because I was like, what is that supposed to mean? Mm-hmm. I mean, you've looked at my skin color and you've just drawn this assertion that mm-hmm. I cannot do and I can do some certain type of things. And I think... We do that to black people a lot. Like, you should be able to do this because you're black. You're not supposed to be able to do this because you're black. I'm a person. Like, I'm a human being just like you. And I don't feel like there's a black template. Because when you use the word black, we're so ethnically so diverse. You have black people in the West Indies. You have black people in Africa. You have black people in South America. You have black people in North America. You have black people in Asia. So, like... Using that word black as like a blanket statement and thinking, you know, there's a template. So you should be able to play sports or you should be able to dance this certain type of way. Mm -hmm. You know, I just feel like the racist undertone shows so much because we're all individual human beings and should not like be under a particular black template. And it's just such a weird pressure that they apply to you Mm. you as a black person. You made the comment and the connection about not people assuming that you don't speak English I mean I had that too I speak very very clear English I feel like I enunciate way too hard sometimes and it's just (laughs) that's how my mom talks (laughs) so that's how I speak but whenever people hear me talk they're like whoa where are you from where did you learn to speak English and it's like (laughs) sir I was born speaking English. And it's just this assumption that you're not supposed to be so capable because you're Black. Yes. And I just feel like it's very sad because it just... In fact, just to sum it up, I just don't even know how to put how I feel into words (laughs) about statements like that. But I just, I feel very sad when I hear statements like that because, you know, I thought that in the past... It could be excused. You could use the excuse that, you know what, these people are not informed. Mm -hmm. But in the age of the internet, Mm -hmm. in 2021, I don't think such statements should still be, like, said or thought about because the internet is free. You can get to interact with individuals across the world. And now that the world is slowly becoming a global melting pot, no one should have that excuse to still tapping to this 1955 type stereotypes that people still reflect today. And sometimes when you try to correct people, you know what, this is not how I want you to address me, or this is not the right thing to say. You hear the statement, I have black friends or stuff like that. And I really see, you know, like, 
<laughs> I felt my blood pressure go to the sky. <laughs> and I'm always like, that's not the case. Like, bruh, like, it you doesn't have cancel. black friends. That's fine. You can say that to them. But if you say that to yeah. a black person who's not down with it and you get popped, like, what are you going to say? <laughs> Is that black what friend ex- going to come fight for you? <laughs> what exactly are you going to say? So I always tell people, like, please, that's not an excuse. I had a whole conversation with someone at a point, I'm like, please, that's not an excuse saying you have black friends because I think in 2021, you should educate yourself so you don't make this mistake and you meet someone else that their anger is going to go through the roof and you don't know um, how they're going to retaliate. You know, I've realized, especially speaking of anger, I've realized that there are some things that you can't be. And I'm not saying I can't be, but like, yeah, if, I you, you, if, if you if you become those things, you should be ready for the smoke that comes with mm-hmm. it. It's like <laughs> you a know, weird confirmation yeah. of a bias that's already there. Yes, because as a black woman in particular, <laughs> I never want to tap into the angry black woman narrative. So I can't be too loud and assertive. Because they're going to look at me like, oh, my God, here comes the... Not me. You know. I lean into it with my <laughs> forehead. I feel like there is no room for ignorance. I don't give mm-hmm. it any leeway. Not anymore. As you said, it's 2021. Like, you need to educate yourself and you need to broaden your perspective. I mean, if me being upset about you being blatantly offensive to me or if you do something that I find racist because of the undertones or the overt nature of what you've done and you try to throw the oh why are you so angry all the time label at me I'm gonna attack you fully I'm gonna show you angry. <laughs> no you wanted the smoke here it is here it exactly is. <laughs> But even putting aside Black conversations aside and just talking about everyday life, I've realized that, you know, it's a bit harder on us mm-hmm. to express yourself. Like, to me, I, the person, the LC that you get depends on the environment that LC is in. You know, when I feel comfortable around friends, I'm going to be laughing, joking. But sometimes I'm at work. I just reserved and quiet because... Because I'm at work. I thought you didn't <laughs> because... like me at all. You know, at, yeah. when I first met you, and I <laughs> just the the circumstances that we're in. Because when we were up at the front, it was like quiet. You would just duck out and like <laughs> hear you say anything until we're like to the back, and then we could talk and we could laugh and make jokes. Like I don't know. Yeah, the weird policing of black activity and the way. That supposed to behave it's like they are constantly watching you and there's just i don't know it's this weird surveillance of your blackness at all the time the word yes that word surveillance you know it's like everyone is constantly watching you at my other workplace was called by all my co-workers it was it was a very weird experience because i was just like okay guys like you're like elsie you know i felt like it was subtly racist but I just not going to let a job bother me that much. Like, honestly, when I come back from a job, I just tune it off. And when I get back there, I turn myself back on because I'm not going to carry workplace stress to my humble abode at home. Mm-hmm. But um, they called me and they're like, Elsie, um, we just, we're just concerned, you know. You're not, like, um, together with the rest of us. Like, you're not, like, we, we know that you're different, but, like, I was like, excuse me, in my head, but I was just listening to what they want to say, but you don't participate. 
as workplace, they go out for events. They go out for. I'm not trying games. to hang out with y'all. I'm not trying like, <laughs> Honestly, like I, I, I'm the type of person that separates work and home, and I just feel like some of the activities you do don't interest me at all. So I'm not gonna force myself to go for them just because it's a workplace venture. So I was very like, you know, the whole them using. We know the fact that you're different, but you should be able to participate. Or maybe these aren't the activities that you're used to. And I'm like, excuse me. So I can't just be quiet here in peace. Like, and I was like, whoa, I'm, I can't win on both ends. If I decide to be too loud, you're all going to have a problem. If I decide to be quiet and reserved, you're also going to have a problem. So I was just like, wow, when am I ever like going to get the chance to, you know, win, <laughs> win at this situation? I completely understand that. And I think that it speaks to how when we're in these spaces, Black people have to really regulate how much they give, mm. especially in terms of behavior. You know, I'm not going to do too much. I'm not going to do too little. I'm going to balance it out. And there's still this desire for more. Like, I'm not going mm. to give you more than I am prepared to lose. To give. Yeah. yeah. I'm not, I'm not going to do that because at the end of the day, you're going to sit down in your space and you're going to talk about how I'm this and how I'm that. And it's going to come from a place of internalized racism. And quite frankly, I'm not going to have that with you. Let's just do our mm. job and keep it cute and move on. Exactly. Like you said, do, do our job, keep it cute, move on. Because I usually take some places that I'm, I, some spaces I'm in as just transitional spaces. I know I'm not going to be here forever. I don't plan on being here forever. I don't plan on being here for even one or two years. Like, like so I just take it as transitional spaces, you know, meet people, make connections and move on, but not like get all up in your space and you get all up in mine. Mm -hmm. And I just feel like as a black woman, you have to give twice the effort to mm -hmm. be able to be recognized on the same level as your counterpart and what if i just want to you know in this thing i want to do i just want to be a normal person you know i just want to be ordinary in well, this. I mean, you but... really <laughs> hit the nail on the head before like as a black woman and as black people there's things that we're just not allowed to be and we're not mm. allowed to be reserved and quiet we're not allowed to be upset we're not allowed to be anything that deviates from what is expected yeah it's it's a way of controlling how we are allowed to view ourselves and how we're allowed to present ourselves. It draws back to what you said about the hair. Yeah. yeah. And be as black as we are allowed to be. Mm -hmm. Exactly. You're only allowed I'm... to be this much black. <laughs> just enough, but you still need to make white people comfortable. You can be black, but don't talk this particular way or don't use this particular slang or don't even use your native tongue or your native language or don't eat your type of food. Mm -hmm. You know, don't bring this type of food to the workplace because it's going to make a certain type of people uncomfortable. And you're like, why? Why are these rules manufactured when it comes to me and not anyone else's experience? And I just feel like, is it that you're, where I'm too much for these people, too much or too little? And a kind of existential crisis starts to brew and you're like, what's going on here? I just remember the particular scenario that happened to me. A lot of things have happened to me at work now that I think about mm -hmm. it. 
Um, but there was a workplace, <laughs> there was a workplace that I worked in, and I noticed that every time it was a store, and every time a black person would walk into the store, there was this subconscious thing that I had to be the one to attend to them. Like everyone would look at me like, okay, your turn to shine. And one time I was busy doing something and like a black person work, walked into the store and they're like, oh, Elsie, do you want to get that? And I'm like, I'm on this right now. You can go. They're a normal human being. Like they're a normal co customer. Like the rest of the customers that you attend to, they're just the person that wants to come in here and maybe buy something. So I, I didn't see why the big deal had to be made of, you know, Elsie, they'll feel more comfortable around you. And I'm like, no, like it's, it, it's they're in this country too. They need to feel comfortable around everyone. They try to, you know, these black spaces, there are black spaces for black people. You guys can do your thing in this space, but outside that space, please use discretion. And I'm like, why i think i understand i understand both sides of the coin okay i'm gonna do this thing that i don't like and play devil's advocate devil's <laughs> advocate <laughs> that phrase so much it's, it's second to me to the i'm not racist but like <laughs> every time somebody says i'm gonna play devil's advocate advocate just expect them to say something racist but <laughs> on one hand i completely understand them wanting you to deal with black customers because quite frankly when i go into a store like a sephora i'm not going to know who <laughs> becky who got pale skin look like she could burn in the sun in three seconds to tell me about foundation like girl shut up i don't want to hear anything mm. from you and that's not knocking becky's capabilities it's just i would feel more comfortable with somebody who understand. and understand yeah i would be more comfortable with that burst and also i understand i'm not gonna be the black people spokesperson because when i worked at another place we won't mention that sells hair products i would go and speak to the black customers or people who had curly to kinky hair just for that reason that mm. i understand what you guys would need so let me talk to you no, I think we have mm. to kind of bridge that gap there. Like, when am I doing all this racial labor for you so that you can avoid actually trying to meet people who are different mm. and will have different needs versus yeah. you feel welcome in the space? Yes, I do. Like, I, I honestly understand. Um, but also, while looking at that situation, it is a very specific situation. Mm -hmm. Like, for example, foundation makeup has always been an industry where Black people have been underrepresented, yeah. and and um, especially women with very dark, darker skin tones mm -hmm. um, have been very underrepresented in that industry. And I know, for like you, if I walk into a Sephora or another, like you know, beauty supply store, I would want you know to see someone that looks like me so we can talk of things that I can tailor to my own like skin color because they understand. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. But I feel like in other industries, like clothing, you know, there's not a particular um, type of, like there's not a black person dress code. And yeah, so I, I, I personally, you know, I've had these experiences and they've made me think as well and just see, you know, that color does matter. I don't like when people say, you know what, I'm not racist, but I don't see color. If somebody says I don't see color, also understand that they are a racist. 
Yes, because co- there's nothing wrong with seeing color. Like, we're different. Like, the same way I would see a, a black person different from an Asian, different from a white. We're all different people. Like, you are going to see that, except you're colorblind or something. So, you know, the all I see is that I don't see color. There's nothing wrong with seeing color. I'm, it depends on what you do with that sight. I think of it in another direction. Follow me because it's kind of a reach, but it's mm-hmm. not really a reach. <laughs> yeah. If somebody says, I don't see color, what I feel like they're saying is, I need to remove your color. I need to remove the fact that you are a visible minority to treat you as mm. a human being. Which is very I, subtly racist. It's like, why can you not accept that, yeah, I have this difference. I am obviously different from you and still treat me as an equal. I have never seen it in from that perspective before. It's a bit of a reach, but it's there. It. If you think about it, it's there. Now that I'm thinking about it, I'm like, whoa, I've never... Because what I, I, I've, I've seen that statement to be... In fact, I don't even think subtly overtly racist. Um, someone saying they don't see color, but the way you just framed it, you know, sometimes I'd be thinking things, but they can't come out of my mouth. I can't just translate it. And I just think you translated that thought process perfectly because I just thinking like, what is wrong with the color that you're seeing? Like, there's nothing wrong. Exactly. So when, you know, when someone points out something and you're like, oh, I don't see color. I'm like, no, because identity is a very big part of who we are as humans. Mm-hmm. And it's that cultural diversity that makes us very unique, you know, Especially even the countries that we come from, we're very proud of where we come from. We're very proud of our native spaces. We're very proud of our ethnicity. Yeah, I'm sure you and Nigerian makes see- up a bulk of who you are and how you do. It, it does make up a very big bulk of who I am. And it would be doing me no justice trying to erase that to fit into, you know, a specific or merge into a specific type of culture. So when people are like, you know what, I don't see this type of things. I'm like, do you want to erase that person's entire, Mm -hmm. and especially, especially when, you know, that identity has shaped who they are and they've had so many experiences because of that identity solely. Mm -hmm. It's it. I just feel like it's, it's coming from a place of privilege to say, you know what, I'm just going to erase that. Yeah, it is a place of privilege. Honestly, it's. <laughs> I had to hear a talk for me to get to that thought process. And I'm just like, man, that is a mad racist thing to say. <laughs> Honestly, I, well I, I bro, you just. It is well intentioned. I will give it that. But at the same time, if you think about it and the person that it's coming from, I have never had another Black person tell me that they don't see color. And you even have to wonder. Like you said, is it actually coming from a good place? Mm-hmm. Like, is this person saying this to avoid an uncomfortable situation or something else? Is it actually coming from a good place? Because sometimes we think we, we think we can see things on surface level. But when we go deeper and we're like, oh, my goodness. Like, sometimes even when we do some self-reflecting, we figure out there are some things we've internalized that we didn't even know that we've internalized. And a lot of people have internalizes racism maybe not a conscious act maybe subconsciously where they grew up the people they spend time with 
it's been subconsciously just internalized and they don't know they this they spew it in their everyday lives and it might not be a conscious act to be racist towards you but if they really take time to look internally they might have some racist undertones peeking out here and mm-hmm. there i mean now we can answer the first question like who told us that our hair is unkempt I think that I heard most of that talk growing up from other Black people, specifically other Black women. And it's because the idea of what is beautiful, what is professional, what is acceptable, it's a white one. All those things Mm. are rooted in white supremacy. You know, the closest that you can get to whiteness and that, all those things, it's acceptable. Yes, and Eurocentric, you know, whiteness and Eurocentric features. As I was saying the story just, you know, a couple mm-hmm. minutes ago, I was like, yes, I, 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 I wore weave for a very long time because I was just convinced that my braids or my natural hair wasn't professional enough. So that was me internalizing what I'd been told and what I thought was right or wrong. So I convinced myself that wearing this weave so when I looked at other women wear like braids to work initially I'll be like oh you know this is not the most professional and now that I've grown from that I'm like wow why did I have that viewpoint and now I wear my braids anywhere I'm going to wear it if whatever you think of it that's your own problem whatever you see whatever you don't (laughs) like about it that's your own problem as far as it's not stopping me from doing the job that you employed me to do then it should not be i blame internalized racism i blame it fully and a hundred percent internalized anti-blackness i am i am pointing Mm. my finger at it and will meet it in a parking lot outside because it needs to it needs to be dismantled for us to actually see each other properly yes Yes, it just goes to show, you know, how much of a ripple effect um, these things have. Racism itself, we can say that it comes from a particular end of the spectrum from these particular people, but it can also transfer to us, ourselves, as a Black community. Because of the whole ripple effect, some of us have adopted these things, and we need to sit down also as a Black community, especially as this Black History Month, and do some self-reflection. Like, am I harboring any, you know, internalized racist ideologies? Do I have them deep in me? Am I using those ideologies as a lens through which I'm seeing the world and through which I'm seeing even other Black people? And, yeah, after that self-reflection, you know, come to a decision about what we're going to do about these things it's not by any means an easy task I mean I only got to that point with my hair when I was in high school because I started to read and I started to listen lots of Marcus Garvey a lot of Malcolm X like a lot of those Mm. literatures and speeches that really talk about empowering yourself and seeing yourself as more than your limitations and the limitations set on you you know and if you're trying to figure out what exactly your biases are ask questions ask questions of yourself ask questions of your society ask all the questions about things that you just take as facts like i say over and over again 
It's the internet age. You can research anything. We should not be too gullible to just accept everything at surface level and accept it as fact and go on to spread that same misinformation to other people because a lot of shit has ripple effect and we should be trying to avoid that instead of adding yeah, to man. it. Racism and white supremacy do not need any assistance. They don't need your help in yes. spreading them. They are fine on their own. What needs the help is black empowerment. What needs the assistance is black confidence. I completely agree. And that's what we try to imbibe today. Be confident in yourself as a black man, as a black yes. woman. Wear your hair, how whatever way that you want to wear want. it. Talk the way you yes. want to talk. Like talk the way you want to talk don't say oh, i'm afraid they would speak bad of my accent or i'm not gonna eat my type of food in public because i think that it's not westernized or not Tell clean enough up. that's your Tell culture that's your culture <laughs> and be <laughs> exactly that's your culture be proud of it bask in the glory of your mm-hmm. blackness because it's a beautiful thing to be to be black and have such rich history and have such rich culture and as as this Black History Month, as we celebrate this Black History Month, just, you know, like I said, bask in the glory of your Blackness. Very well said. Thank you guys for listening to this episode. Thank you so much, Amanda. If you just want to speak a bit more about your podcast um, so that people can know what they should tune well, into. Okay, sure. Um, my podcast, the If I Tell You podcast, it's available on all podcast platform so you can find it in spotify on anchor in the apple podcast app everywhere my podcast is about all of the things that we don't talk about all those uncomfortable adult feelings all those complex emotions and kind of trying to figure out who you are and navigate your identity i talk a lot about anxiety i talk a lot about managing self-image especially in a new country so thank you Elsie for giving me your platform yeah. to do that and have amazing for discussion sure. with you. For sure. For sure. I always like it's a chance to grow. So you guys should make sure you go tune into that podcast. Like she said, it's available on every single podcast platform. So you don't really have an excuse. <laughs> so thank you guys for listening. <laughs> thank you guys for listening up to this point. And I hope to catch you guys next time. Bye.